Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, and uh, welcome to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Dr. Alicia. How are you doing today, babe? I'm doing well. How are you feeling? I'm doing really well, really well. And uh, today we were talking about Keisha Cole, and uh, Keisha Cole's mother, Frankie, just died from um, what <clears throat> what uh, her family is saying was a, a relapse um, a drug overdose and which made me very sad and it made me think about you because that's an area that you know a lot about yeah i do well first of all who rest in peace keisha cole's mother i feel so sorry for this family that's been struggling with with as a family member has been struggling with addiction i'm sure keisha cole and this family is very devastated by that um, my heart goes out to this family yeah mine too mine too yeah yeah i mean addiction is it's terrible. It's real. It's something a lot of our families go through. And uh, definitely my heart goes out to Keisha Cole and her family because this can't be easy. And uh, how many of you, uh, first of all, good morning and be one to everybody who's um, uh, who's in the building. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we were um, thinking about you guys because I wanted, I asked Alicia to do this pillow talk episode where we literally have our head laying against pillows while we talk. <laughs> this really is pillow talk. Um, and, uh, and I asked Alicia to talk about it because it seems like there's so many of our families that deal with drugs, you know, um, so many stories out there, you know, it's really terrible. I know I used to work at the, um, I used to work at John Strozier hospital, which mm-hmm. is the Cook County hospital. And it was the saddest day to see, you know, some of the drug users that would come in there. And, um, so I worked with them very on daily basis. And a lot of times the family members would call me in desperation and just say, what am I supposed to do? Especially the mamas. The mamas would call because their babies would be strung out on drugs. And I remember saying, okay, give him the phone. Give your son the phone. Let me talk to him. And I would talk to him on the phone. I'd say, um, hey, um, do you have a problem with drugs and alcohol? Yes, I do. And I'd say, um, are you interested in getting help? And some of them, would, they would say, no, I'm not interested in getting help. I'll say, okay, put your mama back on the phone. <laughs> and I remember telling the mom, I'm sorry, he is not interested in getting help. Uh, and then I would just refer her to an Al-Anon group. Mm. Do you know what the Al-Anon group is? I've heard of Al-Anon. Um, I assume it has something to do with rehab. No, Al-Anon group has to do with family who have a loved one with a substance abuse issue and the Al-Anon group focuses on how to uh, deal with family members and the issue is enabling. So how not to enable them. So at that point, when you have, especially an adult who's in, who's doing drugs and alcohol and they're not interested in getting treatment, the best thing to do is just to figure out boundaries Mm, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Now we say boundaries. What do you mean by boundaries? Well, the thing is, is that you can't enable them to continue to do drugs because drug addicts are really good at lying. They're really yeah. good at manipulating because that's what they've learned to do because uh, that's what keeps their habit going. So they'll tell you a long, sad story about why they don't have no money and what's going on. And so giving them money and feeding into them is enabling them to continue. The only thing I would focus on is you either go to rehab or you're going to have to unfortunately cut somebody off. Mm. It's the saddest thing to see. It's really difficult. And I really hope Keisha Cole doesn't feel responsible for her mother's death. 
I hope that she can um, look back on it and think that she did the best that she could and not feel guilty. That's what happens. Family members feel guilty, like they're responsible for their loved one's success and their loved one's ability um, to get off drugs. And it's not. The only thing you can do is encourage them to do better, but you definitely don't want to enable them, especially manipulation in terms of money and resources. And don't bring them into your house because sometimes they'll steal things from you. We know. We know how it is. And it's a terrible thing because it is a personal decision to decide that enough is enough and I want to go in rehab. It's almost, it's like losing weight. You can't force somebody to lose weight. You know, food is an addiction. You couldn't force me to lose weight. You had no. To, you had you just encouraged me, and um, and you're right. If I had really not wanted to do it, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you. And if you weren't ready for that, I mean, it's interesting. I think, boys, you were ready to lose weight because you were already doing some things on your own. I had hit rock bottom. Yeah, but you had already purchased a bike. Remember, you had that bike you were riding, that stationary bike. So you were already ready. Mm-hmm. And so I just I think you attracted me to you because you were ready for that. Yeah, well, you you dated me when I was fat. You were adorable when I dated you, and you're still adorable now. Oh, thank you. But it has to be you're something. Adorable too. Oh well, thank you. But um, th- it was still something that you have to decide that it's time to make a change. And nobody outside. That's the thing. Like nothing and nobody outside of you can make you do anything. It has to come from inside. Mm. Well, everybody, in case you just came in, um, we're doing we do a segment called Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia. And I think somebody asked, is this Dr. Boyce's show or Dr. Alicia's show? Actually, Pillow Talk is both of our uh, shows. Uh, we, we both we do this together uh, because we believe in black family, black love. And, and, the, and we believe that the core of the B1 community is uh, both our men and our women and our men and women supporting each other. So uh, I love talking to my wife and uh, we literally lie against the pillow. Uh, and sometimes we do this at night, sometimes in the morning. Uh, but she's a she's a full professor of social work. Uh, she's a licensed therapist. She also has seen lots of clients in the in different areas. And I know you teach that class on drug addiction, right? Is it uh, substance what, abuse it? and treatment? I teach it spring semester. Yeah, 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 substance abuse mm-hmm. and treatment. And I and I thought about what and by the way, first of all, actually before I move on, if everybody could take a minute, please hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up button. Uh everybody please do that. That helps uh, our channel grow or share. If you're on Facebook or something, if you could share the video, uh if you're on Twitter, retweet it. Um and put a hashtag B and the number one in the chat, hashtag B one to let us know that you're black first. Black first means that we put our community at the top of the priority list. And our goal is to solve problems. Um, I believe that our scholars, like you and I, we're both mm-hmm. scholars. Uh, one of the things that we have to do as scholars is we have to focus on the uh, problems in our community. You know, use our expertise instead of going and, you know, sitting at these big white universities and <laughs> doing a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. How about we focus on our people first and prioritize our people as the number one. So put a hashtag B1 in the chat. After you either share or subscribe or like or something, it, because we really need your support because we need smart people out here, not just the the crazy people that, you know, they want to put out there in front of us. But anyway, with that said, um, I, yeah, I thought about you when I heard about Keisha Cole's mother, because I thought about how many black families deal with addiction. Mm-hmm. So many of our families, I mean, because you and I have been watching Snowfall. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And Snowfall just, it pissed me off. It made me so mad to sit there and see the CIA selling billions of dollars of crack of cocaine in the black community. And then 
you know, and then we saw the scene where, because it's modeled off Freeway Ricky Ross, which is a guy that both you and I both know. Rick, yes, uh, I do know. Freeway. I had him. I had him on my podcast, and, and this was before we dated. I don't know if y'all noticed, but before Alicia and I even dated each other, she had met Ricky. She knows Rick from. Um, he came to speak. Yeah, at the so university. he came, and then he you 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 talked to him a lot, like oh, beyond that. Yeah, Tell well, him. sort of. So he came to my university. We did a um, social justice. Um, symposium and panel. We had a huge thing because that's our focus at the university is um, social justice. Wonderful program, wonderful criminal criminal and social justice major. And so one of the really great professors, he would be a good one for you to get in contact with. He's like so intelligent. He was actually on crack as a professor at St. Francis at, at my university. And he was actually on crack and he talks about his story publicly, but um, he was on crack. He got off crack he got a PhD and he's an academic faculty member and he brought, he knew Freeway Ricky Ross because he was from South Central LA. He's from that area mm. and he's here in this area. He and his wife are phenomenal. Love them, love them. They're not with the university anymore, but they were like fantastic. So anyway, they brought him in and I got to meet Freeway Ricky Ross. I had dinner with him. I also had dinner with Michelle Alexander. Oh, oh my goodness. Lady. And it's funny that that's and both also, of them are from the same that's area. That's a funny coincidence because I knew Michelle very well as well before we even you and I did not we were friends, but we didn't know that we both knew Michelle. We didn't know that we both knew Ricky. But yeah, Michelle and I we had the same assistant, the same Booker. Oh speaking. really? <laughs> yeah, it was so funny because Michelle was getting Michelle. They were they were reaching out to her like five times a week for like these speaking engagements, offering mm-hmm. her all kinds of money. And she's such a good person. Like she didn't, she was like, no, I want to spend time with my family. Like she was not chasing the money. And, and so what, what happened was, is Michelle Alexander actually helped me make money because, you know, I'm like, I'm too, I'm not, I don't fit in the mainstream media. White liberals hate me. White conservatives hate me. So I'm kind of in a bad spot. Right? I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like hundred percent black. And, um, and, but what would happen is that whenever the place couldn't get Michelle, they, somebody would be like, well, did you ever look at Boyce Watkins? <laughs> And so I would get the scraps. I got Michelle just and just getting her scraps. I probably made I probably made eighty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars just from her scraps, just from the engagement she did not want. This lady, they, she was so in high demand, and I loved it because at that time Russell Simmons and I were working on that campaign against or to get the Obama administration to change their policies on drugs and incarceration, and it was a hard battle. Shout out to Russell actually because Russell was really being pressured by the White House to to back away from that. They they were like, don't put this pressure on Barack. He doesn't need to do anything for black people. Well, they, that was kind of the feeling I had was that they were like, well, black people just love him. He doesn't have to actually do anything in terms of policy. And we were like, no, if they love you, you need to do something. And I want everybody to know that that was a hard fought battle that, you know, and, and what we did was we, um I wrote the letter. You can go look it up. It's out there online somewhere. Uh, I wrote a letter to Barack and I basically just said, look, you know, the drugs and the war on drugs and mass incarceration has obliterated the black community. Like there's so many families affected and you were, you were elected kind of on a promise on, you know, that you were going to help fix some of this. I'd like for you to help keep that promise, you know, like do, do what you can. And, um and, and I had, you know, I had to be really nice and polite, even though I had a lot more I wanted to say. And we wrote this letter and uh, the, the the plan was I would go get all the scholars to sign. Like I went and got the Michelle Alexanders and the activists and the Jesse Jacksons and people like that. I signed. You got you, me you, to That's sign. right. You My signed. name is on there. You signed. I that's forgot. You up. did. You did sign. You did sign. Because <laughs> the scholars gave the letter um, legitimacy in terms of activism and, and academia and everything. He went and got the celebrities. 
he went, he got, I mean, everybody from Rick Ross and Lil Wayne to Will, Will and Jada. I think Will and Jada signed. Um, uh, who else? Uh, even the Kardashians signed. Uh, Ju- even Justin Bieber. White people signed. That. Justin Bieber signed. I don't, I don't, I don't even talk to many white people. I don't Look hate them or anything. I just don't. Have, I just don't talk to them. I, I talk to black people most of the time. But Russell, you know, he's very well connected. So he got a lot of celebrities. Chris Rock, um, uh, Jamie Fox, uh, uh, I think Carrie Hilson, like you no know, people like that, right? And so all these celebrities signed this letter. So the White House started getting really nervous. They were like, "Whoa, there's a lot of pressure building up." Because all these celebrities are signing this letter asking Obama and Eric Holder to change their policy on the war on drugs. So as as time went on, and this is an important story to tell, because I think I think, again, if you're going to talk about things Russell did that you didn't like, you got to talk about things that, that he did that are powerful. Right. So. So they start. They didn't put the pressure on me. They tried to put the hammer on me through Al Sharpton because they were like, "You got to shut this dude down," and I couldn't be shut down. I was too much of a wild card. I'm not a mainstream guy. I never wanted to be. But Russell was a. He's in the celebrity space, and what one of the tactics that that's used by politicians is they buddy up with celebrities. They bring them to the White House Christmas party. They get you know selfie photos with Barack, and that was how they kept them quiet. That's how they keep them in line, right? Russell did not go for any of that shit. Russell said, there are too many of my, my friends that are locked up in Rikers, too many people I know in Pelican Bay and all these other prisons, and, and they've been locked up for 20 or 30 years. I'm not backing down. And Valerie Jarrett specifically put a lot of heat on him, and he was telling me about it. And I said, so what are you going to do? And he said, I don't care. He said, you know, so he stuck to his guns. And let me tell you what happened. So the letter got released, and and then you know who set it off? Guess who? Guess who? Guess who really popped it off? Y'all won't believe this. So it doesn't go out. Uh, can you let let me know? Give me a guess if you guys can still hear us. Uh, sometimes when my alarm goes off, it turns off the uh, audio. So I hope that. Well, shout out to that Canadian Justin Bieber. <laughs> he yeah, did it right. Yeah, Justin Bieber. He's so far removed. Can you guys hear us? Give Give us a yes in the chat if you can still hear. I want to make sure everybody can hear. Um, but yeah, Justin Bieber literally tweeted the letter. He tweeted the hashtag. <laughs> it was like in the war on drugs. When he tweeted the hashtag, it became the number three most trending, highest trending hashtag um, on earth. The little Justin Bieber. Oh, Raggedy has <laughs> Raggedy has boy, su- boy band. I'm playing. He's, he's not so bad, actually. Well, I think he sucks. But then again, some of his music you is know pretty what? good. I'm probably just being a hater right now. You should listen to some of his music. He's he came out with an album a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got the best producers on his music, and it was of, really he good. A, he's probably got a bunch of black dudes making all his music. It's, they got to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's he's. Don't nah, sleep on Justin Bieber. I know his I Christmas know. album is still good. Well, you know what? I play that every well, you know year. What Ju- Justin, <laughs> well, what Justin really is is he's the new Elvis Presley. Okay, that's what that's what you know because because he's, he's well, even around a lot of black Elvis people. Elvis Presley. Was... Elvis was around a lot of black people. They're, like they know they know what a talent's at. They they know where the gold is buried. <laughs> you know, but but anyway, I'm just kidding. Shout out to Justin Bieber because when he tweeted that out. The White House buckled. That was what it took that much work to make them fold. And they actually made at that point, they made one of the most significant mass incarceration announcements in the last 30 years. And, the, you know, and so that that's something I think is, you know, because this drug thing, you know, it's it's affected so many, so many people. I'd be curious to ask this question. And I'm going to be quiet because I said a lot. Um, how many of you have had a relative that's struggled with drugs? How many of you got a parent? They've dealt with drugs, a child that's on drugs, a spouse, 
that was using drugs, you know, you know, like people just around you, or maybe you you dealt with drugs. Somebody you know in your family locked up over drugs, selling dope, using dope, killed over dope. Give me a yes in the chat. Shout out and shout out their names, you know, because I think that these people need to be memorialized because people don't understand that the war on drugs and and the whole crack era, that was a holocaust for black people. Like mm-hmm. that, we deserve reparations for that. Mm-hmm. Like that, like people need to take black pain as seriously as we take white pain. Like if this happened to white people, we would understand. Like when white people start using meth and and with and heroin, they made that a national issue, right? So I think for black people, we need to like really acknowledge what we what we've gone through and and stop just thinking that shit it's supposed to happen to us just because we're black i'm done talking go ahead babe. yeah no i had a lot of thoughts but yeah i know um now, now i'm really happy to see that we have what's called drug court and we have you know so that people who are on using drugs and they commit a crime they don't send them through regular criminal court they put them through drug court and i know that's the response because you see a lot of you know, uh, white people who are white families are dealing with meth amphetamines like crazy. And because of that, what came out of that is drug court. They didn't have drug court back in the eighties when, uh, people were strung out on crack, but they have it now. I'm glad that we see it now, but the compassion is more there for people who are on drug because back in the eighties, That's how uh, my profession got become became as a social worker became very popular because as soon as you were as soon as you had a baby and you tested positive for crack they just took your baby away. Mm, are you I serious? mean yes because they thought that if you used crack cocaine while you were pregnant that everything was over for your baby it was ba- it was endangering the child and we now know that crack babies I hate to call them crack babies, but they're perfectly fine. It's a myth that crack babies are going to be some somehow um, deficient in some way. And they're not. They're grown up. They have um, live healthy lives. Um, they're intelligent. They're really smart. So all of them, all of the mis- there was a lot of misconceptions about crack baby that come to find out none of that was the case. That an entire, not only entire generation was wiped out because of crack cocaine, but they were wiped out because they just swooped those babies away from their mothers and Mm. put them into foster care. And that created huge um, state run foster care programs and um, which, you know, how is it that we're going to take you away from your family and friends? And I mean, you know, your mom and your parents, just because they're on crack. Well, right now what they do is if you, if you, you and your child test positive, they now put you and your child into a rehab facility. So they no longer have that policy where they just wipe the baby away, but that's what they did back in the day. And it was just horrific. Horrific, mm. because growing up in the system, like Keisha Cole did, mm. you know, growing up yeah, in well, the she, system well, is well, not I, the well, best. Well, actually, she was adopted by two people in her family, but she might have been in the system for a while. Okay, so she was in um, <clears throat> relative foster care. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. And then, oh, so she was in the system, but she was with relatives. At the same yeah, time. relative foster okay. care, and then you, that could lead to um, adoption. And well, that, you know, I mean, if you look at what Keisha went through, and I read her whole backstory, you know, her she didn't meet her father till she till 2016. Her mother, um, Frankie, we know she struggled with drugs. Uh, uh, you know, R.I.P. to Frankie. She just she just passed uh, on her birthday. On her know. birthday, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. You know, and if you look at her backstory, I mean, well, you and I were tripping over the fact that Keisha, like the odds, the deck was stacked against that poor girl because she was born in 1981 in Oakland. 
And remember that episode of Snowfall where they literally, I, I got to check to see how historically accurate this is, but they literally laid it out like Oakland is where crack began. Like that's the, the you know, the, the genesis. Patient zero. Crack. Yeah, patient, <laughs> Person like, zero is 19, right there. Yeah, I mean, 1981 in Oakland. Jeez. Like, right where crack started. And, and it's not a coincidence to me that crack started in Oakland because remember, that's where the Black Panthers were. Yes. You know, what better way to ruin a whole yes. movement and a whole generation than to drop this drug in there that everybody thinks is harmless that's going to literally turn, you know, a bunch of people into zombies. You're going to tell me, that you, you can't tell me, you can't convince me in a billion years that that, that, that's, that that wasn't intentional. But look at Keisha Cole. She is absolutely beautiful. She is tremendously talented. I'm surprised we don't hear more from her. I would love to hear more music from her and listen to how she sang. Have you ever heard her songs? I don't, so I'm, not a, I'm not exactly Keisha Cole. Oh my God, voice. Her songs, you could tell she had a, a tough upbringing because it comes out in her music. Like her song, her she voice. She's singing from the gut. She sings from the gut and you're just like, oh, and anybody who's been through anything, you listen to her voice and you're just like, oh, I can feel it. You know, she is very powerful singer. And, you know, and she is very relevant today because even um, our 14 year old, Nicole, mm-hmm. she, I heard her singing she was sitting around singing Keisha Cole. Me, I said, how do you know about Keisha Cole? She was like, I love this song. She's educating me on the Keisha Cole song. I'm like, Nicole, I already know this song. She's like, I love her. So she's not only relevant to me in my generation, she's relevant to the youth now. They love her music. It's made well, a comeback. Well, you know what I found? I find that good music is relatable to a lot of people of all, a lot of backgrounds. Like, like if you take like the best country songs ever, <laughs> yeah, you, you could play, you could play it, you know, in, in, at a, you know, at a hood club. And it oh, was we'll still, be jamming it to the country still, yeah, people still like it. I mean, because there's something about. I noticed that. Like, or if you take the best classical song and you play that, like people are gonna like it if they open their minds and say, "I'm gonna, you know, get past mm-hmm. the fact that it's classical." Like, like good music is good music. Don't sleep on that country music. There's some country songs that I'm like. Play that again. I yeah. love that. Yeah, music mm-hmm. real music really is universal. And um and by the way, if you just came in, we're doing pillow talk uh, with Dr. Bush and Dr. Alicia Watkins. And we do we do pillow talk on different issues that exist in the community. We like to give a uh perspective that's based on um uh some thought. We like to sort of think things through and uh because we're both scholars, that's what we do. And also we really <laughs> love each other. We're big fans of black love and uh we like to uh kind of talk about issues that relate to our relationships and our families so uh make sure you subscribe and actually we do have a channel called the black love channel so if you're into relationships and and how to make it work uh alicia actually has a license in that area that's what she does she coaches couples all day long and stuff like that so so she knows what she's talking about all right uh do me a favor hit the thumbs up button please hit the thumbs up share subscribe button let me let me bring up something real quick babe what you want to bring up? i was looking through the comments and i saw a lot of response when we talked about people um having relatives that were dealing with drugs or having struggled with drugs and um like uh for example mercedes thomas says that um uh it looks i can i can i guess that's a she uh she says i'm 31 years clean tomorrow oh bravo Every, everybody everybody's saying uh congrats mercedes uh good job everybody it's a tough it's a tough road that sobriety is tough yeah, yeah, poor, poor bravo, Ebony, bravo. Ebony Bailey, that, that poor child, she says, crazy era destroyed by family. There's yeah. a lot of families that were destroyed over drugs. A lot of families. 
unfortunately yeah and i i would have to say um i feel kind of unique because i don't know if there's anyone necessarily in my immediate family that was using drugs however we were victim i was talking to you about it before we were victims there was someone in our family who was murdered by somebody on drugs yeah 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 oh you and i were talking about that the other day yeah i'm let me tell you i'm so happy i we were talking about this the other day aren't we lucky we don't have moms who were strung out Mm -hmm. just think how just think how rocky our relationship would be if we had mothers who weren't present with us because they were strung out on drugs Mm. now my mom was addicted to cigarettes and (laughs) she had a cigarette addiction that she finally kicked of course but Mm -hmm. still i mean we were pretty we're pretty we could actually that's terrible we actually say god we were lucky we did not have a mom strung out well, and, and you grew up in Gary, Indiana, which was the murder capital of the world. It was the murder capital. I survived Gary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Gary is a place where if you're looking for trouble, you will find it. But if you're not looking for trouble, you can be sheltered. Mm. You know. Well, well, check this out. Um, you know, I, I know, I mean, drug, drugs hit my family pretty heavy. Um, my biological father, uh, you know, who never, who didn't raise me. I, I didn't meet him. Kind of like Keisha Cole. I didn't meet, I met him the first time when I was 14, met him again when I was 23. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was in prison for drugs. You know, I, yeah. I, I knew somebody who knew somebody who, who met him in prison and told me that he was locked up for drugs. And then, um, also my father that raised me, some would call him a stepfather, but he's not my stepfather. He's he, my, he legally adopted you. So yeah, well, he's my father. Even if he hadn't legally adopted me, he's still my father. Okay. You know, even without the name. But that's of why I, you have his last yeah, name. Yeah, I don't care what the government says. That, that's my daddy, period. Well, of course. But, yeah, but, but my daddy, you know, um, you know he's, he says when he came back from Vietnam, he was he had a heroin addiction. And he kicked it, didn't he? Yeah. yeah of course he, he kicked it. Well, he chose to walk away. He's a strong man. Yeah. You know, um, I, 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 I like to believe I inherited that strength from him because mm-hmm. I watched him. You know, he taught me, that, you know, about mind over matter. You know, that's why I don't I'm not really afraid of him. There's very few things that scare me. And uh, I got that from my father. It's like, either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. You know, well, you so, know. so so I want to say, then I'll be quiet. I'm sorry. But I'll say this, but I'll, I'll say with my dad, the, the cool thing about my dad is that um, when I watched, you know, when I think about all the things he gave me and I imagine what would have happened if the drugs had won his mind, you mm-hmm. know, all those things he gave me, all those gifts that come out in who I am, wouldn't be there. I'd be a whole different person. Go ahead. No, I was going to say shout out to your biological father. Shout out to him. May he rest in peace. Like, really? Because, first of all, that's you. That's part of who you are. So I just, that part I love. Yes, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Shout out to your biological father for having the foresight to give you up. Because he willingly gave you up to your dad and your mom. Of course, your mom wouldn't give you up to your mom. But he willingly gave you up because he knew that you had a better life with Papa Larry and Mama Robin. Hold on a second. Do not cut me off here. Shout out to him because he knew he had the foresight and the ability to know that you were better off with this nice, stable family. Beautiful family. I love shout out to Mama Robin and Papa Larry. I love them dearly because they raised you to be who you are today. But you got the DNA from a fantastic man who had the foresight to know that you were going to be something special. I promise you, he's not here right now, but I'm almost certain that's what he would say. Well, and I, I, I just want I, to I say, I love, I, I appreciate I love, it. I, hold on. I love all of you all. I love all of you all for you having that experience because you would not be the man you are today. I, I adore you. And I think you are beautiful. I think you are a wonderful man. 
And I love everything about you, boys. Well, I appreciate that very much. Well, I will say that um, I I appreciate him as well. Um, I, I, I don't see it the way you see it. Like, I don't see him giving me up as this wonderfully altruistic decision he made against his will. Because I made his not other against, kids. It's I not against. Hold on a second. It's not against Hold on, wait. I'm going to jump in, though. We gonna, me and you going to have to go back and forth on this because I done met this man's other kids. Mm-hmm. I had a long conversation with my siblings and who, who were in the house with him. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the fairy tale that you described. He's not, he wasn't a guy that he did not seem like a person they admired immensely. Okay, but it, you know, can so, I so, say something? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, because he wasn't the man at that time because of what he was struggling with, because he had struggles. Everybody has struggles. For some reason, he knew that he wasn't the man. And you you have his name. His name is Boyce, just like yours. And my dad was gonna change my first name too. He just didn't. I'm glad he did not. Because Boyce is the one and only. I don't know anyone else named Boyce other than you. And you there's, are you. There's a superintendent of public schools in Arkansas. Hold on a second. Who's named Boyce Watkins? Did you know that? Okay, but whatever. This is not. <laughs> no, Lord, Boyce, I want you to listen to this. You know, because his family has said he was difficult to live with. That even more says it was a wonderful thing that he was able to remove you from that element and you were raised by basically a steady environment, basically. Okay, well, let me just say Not this. to say that there were well, any let, problems. Well, let me, and well, what I want to do is, I just want to reframe. I want this you is to not hear about, This is not a conversation about my dad. I this know, is, I know. We, we, we gotta get, we're, we're talking, talking about, about drugs. Well, and let me say this, my brother's in the chat. Hey, my biological brother. Out. Rizlo Sanders, that's his name. Uh, that's Shout out to you, Ryan. brother. My brother Ryan's in the chat. And, and he's he, my, hold on, he's my brother Ryan too. Shout out to you. Maybe one day we will meet. I haven't met him yet. One day we mm-hmm. will meet. Shout out to you. But how fantastic are you, boys? Your intelligence. You're making a fairy tale up, oh, babe. I, I just Here's want, what I'm doing. I, everything ain't the fairy tale, sweetie. Look, Ryan is saying that, that he, well, I don't, I, Ryan, you got to explain the comment, but he says he didn't voluntarily leave us bro she don't know so what he's saying is you don't know babe you gotta go and who said how that? about this i'm gonna put you on the phone with ryan so ryan can give you did ryan point. say that yeah ryan ryan's, mm-hmm. ryan's basically saying you don't know like and, and that, that's the thing like we want to make a fantasy that oh well he did all these intelligent thoughtful things mm-hmm. because he just cared so much when he might have just been cracked out he might have just been i don't know about crack i'm not saying that specifically i'm just saying he might have just been a knucklehead. Like, there's a lot of people in our families that are just knuckleheads that do dumb shit. And and we we you know and and I'm not trying to say. And the thing is, I don't I don't believe in rewriting the story. I okay, believe in saying, I do believe, I believe in rewriting. I believe in us figuring out how to do better. Okay, can I say something, please, boys? Yeah, go ahead. I do believe in rewriting your story. I do believe in the subconscious mind. I do believe that you can make a story work for you however you want to work for it. Your imagination is your power and that's your magic voice. So you rewrite the story. You take a story that's tragic, like what happened to you and why you were adopted by your um your um stepfather who's now who raised you. 
rewrite that story voice and turn it into the fairy tale and it's called reframing in therapy I language hold on I, therapy I, language I, is called I, reframing. I don't I need wanting, hold on. I don't need a fairy tale in order to get through the day now let me tell you look Ryan made another comment he's he grew up in the house with my dad so he knows more than either one of us so I think he needs to be heard do you agree he does need to do be you heard. wait do you agree I'm gonna read can I read his comment okay read his I'm gonna comment. put it on the screen he, here's what Ryan, my brother, who lived in the house with my biological father, said. Now, you can talk to Ryan because I want you to kind of, you know, because remember, just like we need, we might need to reframe, maybe you got to reframe too. He says this. He says he was fucked up running the streets, dealing and using. So the streets kept him away from all of us. Yes. That came from his son. Okay. Can I? That can was I in the house with him. Can I respond to that? Yes. Because he knew he was fucked up running the streets, um, using drugs, he knew he <clears throat> could not raise you. And that's why he gave you away. So what Ryan is saying is not contradictory to the story that I'm telling you about. So because of that, because you know, he's like, you know what? I can't raise my first son. I can't raise my first son to be Or right. his second. Or his, you or, were his or first. His, or his daughter. Hold on a second. You were his first. You are boys. You are voice of the man. And, and, and as an no, but, infant, but you are special as but an infant. My, my brother's important too. My okay. brother, like we're, we're all, we all matter. All, everybody matters. Everybody knows that. But I'm talking about you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about how special you are. Because listen, as, while Keisha Coles and all of the tragic, tragic things that happened to her when she was young, losing her mom to drugs, not knowing her father and reconnecting with him. And who knows what other type of trauma Keisha Coles encountered. Out of that came a beautiful, talented, wonderful young lady who she's now a mother. And I'm certain, I think she had a reality show or whatever, but she's a fantastic mother and she's doing it for herself. Sharon, Sharon I you, love her. Sharon says you sounded crazy. Well, whatever. <laughs> it, it resonates. It resonates with a lot of people. And I think out of the tragic of what crack cocaine did for us is also some success stories. Well, you know, I, I think uh, it you, didn't uh, work. One, Here it is. One area Suppose where. Well, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I, you talked a lot, man. Let me talk. Okay, I have another comment. Right, I, you, you can make your comment, but I'm gonna mm -hmm. say this. As far as uh, I, I want to put the the topic of my father to bed because we were talking about Keisha Cole and her family. I want to talk mm -hmm. about that, but I will say um, I can agree with you that I thank him for giving birth to me. Yes. and I and that's it. That's yeah. that's where I get off the. Ain't, I'm not, you know, and and this, you know, whole idea that because I was messed up, I did the wise thing by giving you away. I I'm just old school with it. Um, I'm looking at black folks saying, "Don't give your goddamn kids away." Like, don't no. I don't I don't care how messed up your life is or how hard things are. You you need to step up, take care of them. I mean, those kids are looking up to you. They need you. Okay, you know? I totally. So that that that's mm -hmm. where that's where I'm at. But mm -hmm. go, I go totally 100 agree with you, boys. I totally 100 agree with you. But there must have been something where he says, "I can't I can't do right by this." And so I think the mo that it's it's really um, selfless because a lot of people could like me. I'm not. I am not courageous enough to give any of my children up because I'm selfish. I only think about myself, you know, but to, but if there was ever a situation where I'm down and out and there's a situation where I feel like my child could do better by being in another environment, much, much better, it would be a very difficult decision to make. I'm saying that as a social worker, I have dealt with adoptions. You know, I have dealt with mothers at Cook County Hospital 
who have given up their children for adoption because they know that they don't have a good life and they know that there's a beautiful family who's willing to adopt, you know, their baby. And I've been there during that interchange voice when, cause a mom has 72 hours um, to change her mind. No question. And I have been with mothers who've made that very hard decision to give their baby up for adoption because their life is not looking right. And they had to give, and they, they see that there's a beautiful family willing to take them in and they know that their child will have a better life. It is an awful decision to make. And anybody in here who's adopted, who has been adopted, just know that your birth mother um, had a lot to deal with because I've seen it. You okay. know, the tears and the anguish and the nervousness of the adoptive family who has 72 hours, knowing that those 72 hours, you can change your mind at any time. It okay. is really a remarkable okay, experience. That's a, that's a great point you made. So, mm -hmm. so I'll say that I get that. I totally get that. Right. If you can't, if you refuse to improve who you are, it's tough. Yeah. Right. Or you can't, or you don't believe you can do it. Yeah. Maybe your children are better off, but I'm also the guy who says, when you look at a tragedy like poor Keisha, you know, God knows what that girl went through because yes. her parents didn't step up to the plate. Um, I think that's where the strength of the community comes into play. Remember, crack infiltrated the black community in a way that it did not really infiltrate the Jewish community or the Asian community. Now, part of this is due to targeting for sure, but also part of it may be due to, um, you know, the question of, you know, do you have a family that's strong enough to force you? to do better, to become a better person. You know, um, there are a lot of families where, no, that ain't going to happen in our family. You, you're you not going to just give up and say, well, because I just choose to keep going out and, and running the streets and doing God knows what, I'm going to give my baby away because that's going to make me a good person because I did the right thing. No, there's some families that are like, no, you, you don't change who possesses your children. You need to change who possesses you, like your actions. You need to change you. Well, I don't think You need to step up. I don't think it's for us to judge people who have to make that difficult decision. We just have to know that it was a difficult decision. I'm not here to judge anybody for giving someone up or for deciding to stick through it or for making the choice to get off of drugs or for not making that choice. It's not it's not my place. I don't feel to be judgmental. I'm saying that whatever those decisions that people have to make, it's a tough decision and that um, people basically were doing the best that they can. So that's, that's, I, that's the position I, I, I do, take I as do a therapist. I do. I, I, and I can mm -hmm. hear that. And that makes perfect sense. You know, and I think, um, I think for me, it just bothers me. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about Keisha Cole, I see a damaged shot. Right. You know, and, and, and also I read her whole bio up and down and they said that her family, her parents didn't really reconnect with her until she became famous. Okay. You know, she connected with her dad in 2016 and her mother, you know, I think a few years before that. And it's just kind of one of those things where, it kind of, you know, it's, it's just kind of unfortunate. It's this was one of those things where I think that even though you may, we may not call it judgment, but I think expecting people to meet a standard is, is important too, right? Like to say like, yeah, I'm not going to judge you. It's like with your kids, you know, when sometimes our kids, they don't want to clean up the kitchen because they're tired and they just don't feel like doing it. And we, you give them space, you give them leeway, you know, or whatever. Well, there's consequences. Right, right, that. right. I get that. I mm -hmm. get that. Right. And that's what I mean, consequences, yes. right? Because you expect them to be the standard. So here's here's my point, right? So I think that for parents, I want to ask everybody in here, what's the consequences for a father who doesn't take care of his kids? 
when, 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 when some of y'all got deadbeat men in your family who ain't taking who making babies, they ain't take care of none of them. Go make another one. What's the consequence? What's the community doing to put pressure on him to say you can't come to the family barbecue? We will not associate with you because you abandon your kids. We we will not sign off on anything that you're doing. You know, you run around here with these random hoes, but you ain't taking care of your own children. Where's the consequences? I don't see consequences. And that's my point. I'm saying that sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm with it. I, I told it, you know, what I love about you is because you're a social worker, you bring out the empathetic side of me. You help me see another perspective. But I'm also a person that says, Where, where's the goddamn standard? Like, at what point do we say, no, I'm not going to sit and feel sorry for you as you keep making one bad choice after another. Get your butt in rehab so you can be there for your kids. My, it, and, How's that different from what I said? Well, <laughs> That's no, not it, different. It, 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 so there you go. So there we go. That's where we can That's find our common ground. That's not different from what I said. Let's find our common ground there because we both yeah. agree that rehab matters. And I, I just think, and I know my dad, you know, he, he had a choice. He could have, my dad could have, the father that raised me could have easily leaned on his heroin addiction and said, you know, because I was so messed up on heroin, I just left, abandoned my family because they're better off without me. And the answer to that is no. We are we we wouldn't have been happy having a drug addict in the house, but we were very happy having a real man in the house, a man who met a standard. So so no, we wouldn't have been better off if he had just said, "Well, I just I just knew they'd be better off without me because I couldn't turn away from that heroin." No, he chose to turn away from the heroin. He said, "I'm gonna do whatever it takes because you can get off these drugs." They got rehab out here. They got plenty of rehab. Right. It's your choice. Right. And that's the thing. Like, the, I think what you wanted to talk about was Keisha Cole in terms of her having a mother who's strung out on drugs and how difficult um, those decisions are that she probably made or did not feel like she made in terms of her mother's sobriety. And uh, and it was probably tough. And my thing for her is not to feel guilty. Keisha Cole, do not feel guilty. You know, please know that your mother made that decision on her own. She made that decision on her own own to make those uh, choices. Everybody has choices. And unfortunately, the consequences for the choices of Keisha Cole's mother Mm. led to death. And that is what can happen. And when I talk to substance abuse users in the hospital, I would I would tell them, I'd be like, your next time could be your last time, especially Mm -hmm. heroin. I'm like, I'm, I'm like talking to people like, hey. You know, heroin can stop your heart. Mm. You can take heroin and go to sleep and sleep your way on out of this world. <laughs> you know, so heroin mm. can actually stop your heart. It's a very addictive, very awful drug and you have to shoot it up and it looks terrible. And um, and I offer people I offer people treatment. I say, you know, we could discharge you and send you right to a, a treatment facility and with the choice is yours. Do you want to go to the treatment facility or we can discharge you to the street? I, it's up to them to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And I, I personally think that when you're talking about, um, you know, this stuff with, with Keisha, it's funny. You said everybody's got choices. They do which, have choices. <laughs> which, is, which is an E-40 song that we came out to in our wedding. Yes. And E-40, and t- and it's, it's funny, E-40's from Oakland. Uh-huh. Right? Isn't that where Keisha Cole's from? How, how ironic it's is some, that? Let me tell you, good talent out of Oakland. Oakland, oh, Oakland is a special place. Oakland is... um. We did, one, I want to go there my, and get a little top, bit of that talent. It's one of Oakland my top talent. three or four cities in the world, you know, because I um my favorite cities to that I've given speeches in are Brooklyn, Oakland, Houston, London. Um, Those are four cities that I really Whoa, love. Whoa, shout out to Brooklyn. Talk about talent. <laughs> like, that's oh, yeah. where hip-hop and music just, began. Just in smart, smart black people. Go ahead. 
I'm sorry, you were talking. I didn't mean to I, talk over you. I know <laughs> I, I talked over you. My apologies, man. I just was saying shout out to Brooklyn because that's another magical place where great music came mm-hmm. from. Magically means correct, and she says um, E40 is is from Vallejo, not Oakland. I, but I Vallejo, what well, is the, that? The Bay Area. Oh goodness. Of the Yay Area. It's all this. It's all kind of that area. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. It's um, um, it's it's sad, and my heart goes out. You know, to Keisha and her family, and and a lot of people don't know this. You know, Keisha Cole was mentored by Tupac, and Tupac um, told her that he was he wanted her to write hooks on some of his songs, and that was the day he died. He died the same day he said to her, I guess called her and told her, "I want you to write some hooks on my songs," and then she died. Then he dies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she also performed with Tony, Tony, Tony. And she got her career got started with MC Hammer. She met MC Hammer. So this is Bay Area, Bay Area, Bay Area. It's like all that talent in the Bay. And uh, and I think that's kind of cool. We don't really think we don't really talk much about MC Hammer. <laughs> well, you know what? But he was MC Hammer. He was my favorite artist. Well, the interesting. Well, no, he was not. I'm going to admit he, he was not my favorite artist. I had but... to have been in the second or third grade. He was. My oh, okay. Artist. Well, if you if you're in elementary school, I was then, in elementary then, school. Then that's okay. I'll. I'll I don't know. Uh, well, wait a minute. I didn't know any better. No, you weren't. Not in the know. early 90s. Wait. The 90s, you were a teenager. MC Hammer. No, you maybe too, You were too grown for MC Hammer to be your favorite artist. <laughs> he was. Well, he you was. know what? Hammer, actually, I ain't gonna lie. I like some of Hammer's songs. And what's funny about Hammer is you would hear these weird stories about Hammer where there were people who were like, no, Hammer's a gangster. <laughs> like he'll get people he will get you killed if you mess with him and i'm like what and this is some interesting stories about hammer and then now he's like a, um a tech entrepreneur or something i see him on commercials really what commercial do you see hammer on? i can't remember the name oh it's awful is it like a potato chip commercial is oh. it doritos or something oh it's so sad to see him well doing I'm, that well then again you know we don't know where he's at maybe maybe he's doing well i saw him do a potato i want to say he did like a mainstream commercial. Mm. Well, yeah. you know what? Let me just say, as, as unpopular as it might be to say, I, I thought Hammer was talented. He was a great dancer. The parachute pants? Come on, boys. Too legit, too legit to quit. And remember, pumps in a bump. Pumps yeah, in a bump. We got the girls with the pumps in a bump. He, he, he can put it together. And then, um, but my favorite, you know who my favorite Bay Area artist is, right? Tell what is that? Is that Spice One, is it? Yes. Oh, geez. Yes, yeah, Spice One is my favorite Bay Area artist. Most talented, one of the most talented poets in all the hip hop. You know, I remember in mm. back bef- way before we started dating, you would come to Chicago and visit me, and I would have to listen to Bay Area music the whole entire time. Well, that's because you the don't talent, remember that you the, would go and buy a CD because mm-hmm. no, not a CD, a cassette tape or something, mm-hmm. and I would have to listen to that in my car while we drove around Chicago. Yeah, and I remember thinking, "Oh my goodness!" And well, it would be super loud in the car. I you totally know what? The that. Bay Area artists. There's nothing like them anywhere on the planet. No, you're there's correct about that. There's nothing like that. Like there's something about how they can just pull together the beats and and the lyrics, and it almost sometimes it'll almost sound goofy, but it's not goofy, but it's great. Like you enjoy hearing it. And to this day, and Sugar T E Forty Sister was on the podcast about a month ago. Um, but shout out to Sugar T, very smart black woman entrepreneur, really doing amazing things. Y'all remember Sugar T from Sprinkle Me Girl? Ooh, 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 I'm ooh. That. Anyway, um, but Sugar T was on, and um, and it just made me reflect on just how um how much talent there is there. Like it's almost like there's something special in. 
the water in the Bay Area that's not anywhere else. And and to know that Keisha Cole comes out of that is not a surprise that she's so talented. She's just a continuation of that powerful legacy. I want to hear more music from her. I want yeah. her to take this pain and this loss and put it into a good therapeutic song and have us mm. all hear it because it's going to help the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We know... Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Keisha Cole's struggle or, and her mother's struggle and their story. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. sad thing about their story to me, especially as we're watching Snowfall, is that this story has happened a million times in the Black community. There's like probably a million people who could tell the exact same story. I saw um, one sister in here who mentioned how drugs ruined her whole entire family. And there's a lot of families that got ruined by drugs. Um, like I, I told you about the family in Chicago that I worked with to help mm-hmm. get the dad out of jail. And um, and he he sold he sold a lot of cocaine, and um, they got him on a RICO charge. And a RICO charge, in case people don't know, means that you and all your known associates can go to prison. That means anybody who even did one little thing for you can go to jail. You know, so they locked up um, him, uh, his brother. They gave his brother twenty years. They locked up his sister, and they locked up his mother. And so the whole family was like gone to prison. So it's like if you think about it, right? Drugs can turn your whole family into addicts. Drugs could get your whole family killed. <clears throat> Drugs could get your whole family sent to prison. And then and then the survivors are all traumatized because we watched all these people go down. You know, oh, we're very important people in our life who should have had a hand in raising us and making sure that we're okay. They were missing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it broke up the family. I mean, what more of a protection do you have with your family and if you don't have a family you're out there on your own yeah yeah and yeah. it's sad it's really sad in fact the wall street trapper um you know he's a, he's a friend of mine a good buddy i love i love that guy a lot you know he talks about how he was homeless at 13 and he did time in prison and uh-huh. again it's like drugs 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 you know just kind of all over the place you know and i just think it's kind of sad and it's a it's a healing that needs to take place because how are you going to grow up and get married and have children and do some of the things correctly? How are you going to correct some of those wrongs when when you grew up thinking, I can't trust anybody? Mm. You can't trust anybody. You can't get married. <laughs> Marriage takes so much trust. Yes, it does. I think about Keisha Ooh. Cole's uh, tumultuous relationships that she's had. Yeah. I can't even imagine how she probably was triggered by some of the things that she experienced herself mm-hmm. and the impact that that has on making a crazy, chaotic uh, family situation. Yeah. yeah, especially if your partner went through the same thing. Your partner went through the same thing. So here we got two trauma triggered people. And that makes good TV, by the way. Yeah, that's why those reality- it makes really that's good why TV. they make all those reality shows with these dysfunctional black relationships. And if you watch those shows carefully, I want y'all to pay attention, pay attention to how many of those people on those shows have a tragic story about their parents being on drugs Mm -hmm. or being locked up, you know, in prison, like the drugs are everywhere. And I think that's interesting. So to some extent, it's like white people still profit on black pain and black. Oh, big time, big time, lifetime, lifetime and Bravo have made a killing. Oh, in the own network. Mm. the Oprah Winfrey network they make a big killing Ivana uh change my life fix my life or whatever uh, that show yeah, Ayana Vanzant Vanzant I can't get it mm-hmm. can't get her name correctly but <clears throat> those shows big time profit off of our tragic 
ghetto trifling stories that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they put that, when they put that cocaine in the black community, and it's cringy. Have you seen these stories, stories, boy? You got to see you this about, with us. Uh, are we talking about fix my life. Are you talking about um, all of those shows? It's very cringy, but I watch them. I watch a lot of them just because I'm thinking, wow, if they were in my office. What would I say to them? Yeah, like, well, I, I personally just believe everybody needs therapy. I think being black, it, you know, you deserve combat pay for just for trying to be black in America, dealing with some of the nonsense. And so, I make a suggestion to everybody, you know, get get help. Self help is is the key to kind of help overcome all your your own BS. And um, and and people like you, you know, do yeah, that sort and, of thing. So I, I'm I finding that. that people just need someone to talk to who's going to be a good listening ear. And someone who's not going to judge them. And I think that's why I brought that up real important about the judgmental. Like, mm-hmm. we can't be judgmental. There are a lot of um, people out there on YouTube <laughs> who just sit there and build their whole channel on judging people. Mm, and, attacking and, them. and attacking them and criticizing them, especially in relationship to relationships and marriage and couples and all of that. They just want to judge people and blame black women and blame black men. Like, no one can be the problem let's deconstruct some of this. It's not just mm-hmm. one person. It's the system, of course, that you brought out. It's it's your background, my background. It's all of those things together. We should not be judging people. We need to be more, more healing happening. Mm-hmm. Right on, right on. And so. I hope to crack a dent in some of that, crack, make a dent, make an impact in that way, but it's an uphill battle, boys. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I guess it starts with love, you know, like just lo- trying to love each other and loving our community enough and acceptance to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, to do the work necessary to figure our way out through this mess. But well, if you do it with hatred and you do it with hatred and contempt and criticism, if you do it in that sort of way, you're just re-traumatizing us. I'm re-traumatized mm-hmm. by some of the things that I'm seeing. You know, where if you did it by well, first of all, love, <laughs> love and peace is not gonna is not sensational. Yeah, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. I Drama agree. is sensational. Yes, it is. Yeah, oh yeah, they 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 only want to traumatize people on TV. Somebody yelling, they, they like and that. screaming, yeah, yeah, triggering each other and calling know, each other's names. That's why these Real Housewives shows are very popular and loving hip hop and all this stuff. I like Real Housewives, by the way. Yeah, I know I'm watching know. the Real Housewives of Potomac is back. If on. you act like any of those women, I love you so much. I think you're gorgeous, but I never would have married you if you were like those women. They are. I, I can't like. It's just interesting how they live their lives. There's nothing appealing <laughs> to me about about women who like to fight and scream and throw glasses across the table at each other. And Oh, they come at each other, boy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of any of that. <laughs> I, I like classy women. So shout out to all the classy black women that are in the building. Classy women are the ones that matter. All right. So, um, well, not that the others don't matter. I just everybody matters. Boys. Everybody matters. You're right. I'm sorry. But but I will say that classy women are the ones that that are better to have in your life, in my view. So anyway, guys, uh, we're going to uh, bounce out. And um, <clears throat> if you actually want to follow Alicia on Instagram or check out our website as well, you can go to coaching with Dr. Alicia dot com. Uh, Alicia is a full professor of social work. Uh, which is a very high-ranking position. She's nationally recognized in her field. And also she's a licensed therapist. Uh, she sees lots of lots of clients. And uh, in addition to that, she actually was the first um, faculty member in the history of her university to win a Fulbright fellowship. And we went to Guyana and that was a, quite an adventure. So if you want to know more about the stuff she's doing, feel free to um, 
go to uh, coachingwithdralicia.com or at coachingwithdralicia on Instagram. So everybody, please have a great day. Please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button before you go. This is Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia. We will be back soon, so make sure you subscribe and uh, have a great day. Love you guys. See you soon. Peace.